Hey there, book gang. This is Amy Allen Clark from momadvice.com. I'm so excited to share another episode with you today. Today's topic is an unforgettable meet the author road trip that I just had to share with you today. Just as a reminder, this podcast is made possible through the support of our Patreon community. If you treat yourself to a coffee, you can afford this $5 a month treat. I hope you can notice the improvements in my sound quality because your patronage made it possible to purchase my first podcast microphone. I don't just upgrade equipment with your $5 though. Our Patreon subscribers receive bonus podcast episodes, bookish printables, themed playlists, and a peek at my stack in real time. To learn more, head to patreon.com backslash momadvice. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash mom advice to gain access to my entire catalog of bonus materials. Do you ever have a memory pop up in your Facebook time hop that you just want to share again with others? That's the case with this memory. So in 2016, I had a reader that reached out about a yearly event called One Community, One Book that her local library hosts. I'm sure many of us have participated in community reads. I know in our community, for example, we read To Kill a Mockingbird. There were community events that went all around this book. One of the best parts is if you don't choose a classic, you can oftentimes involve the author in whatever you're doing around the book that you're reading as a community. Carrie's library happened to select Station Eleven as their pick that year, and she was really excited about it. If you haven't read Station Eleven yet, add it to your list immediately. It's an absolutely incredible novel. It offers a new take on a pandemic world captured through the storytelling of a Hollywood actor and a band of traveling actors that risk it all to perform their art during a flu apocalypse. The storytelling jumps and weaves through time. It makes it a treat to read from start to finish about what life was like before and after a fatal flu strikes the country. There are masterly woven characters, particularly with the use of three wives in Arthur's life, one of our main characters, that the author brings to life in a way that makes you feel like you know each of them. Now I'll admit, back in 2016, a pandemic sounded positively dystopian. So reading it now might yield a very different experience for you than the first time that I read it. But getting back to our story, Carrie entered a drawing at her local library to meet Emily St. John, and she won two coveted spots for her library's meet and greet. In an act of bravery, she messaged me to see if I would travel from Indiana to Ohio to meet the author with her because she followed my book reviews and my Goodreads account. What Carrie didn't know about me is that I have a really hard time driving. And if I could chalk it up to anything now, I would say given all the attention children with learning difficulties receive now, I would likely be someone who would be flagged with a condition called dyspraxia. So I have a very difficult time discerning my left from my right and coordinating movements for driving is embarrassing, it's hard, it's exhausting. I can honestly say it's very hard as a mom because you're required to drive your kids to a lot of places that you don't know, but it's also exhausting anytime that I have to do something that's outside of my norm. Carrie sends me this message and is asking me to come 
from Indiana to Ohio. For me, this is an enormous hurdle. But what I want to say is I went. (laughs) And Carrie's act of bravery was also a really big act of bravery for me too. My husband was absolutely stunned when I told him that I was going to road trip it to Ohio because I was so flattered that someone would make the space in her life to send me this message to consider me for one of her tickets and want to introduce me to her town. Honestly, this trip was magical. I truly mean that. Carrie's hospitality, her love for her local library, the homemade food she made for me, a gift basket that she had curated with some of her favorite local treats, things like clean sheets and being cared for, getting to browse her bookshelves. It was just all so amazing. And meeting Emily, obviously, was the icing on the cake, but we'll talk more about that later. For now, if you decide to pick up Station Eleven on audiobook, I do have one fun fact for you about this book. I asked Emily about why there were two different versions of her audiobook, and she said the UK wanted their own version. So that's why you might run across like a couple versions when you're searching for it. I listened to the US version, but I did not realize that there was a US and a UK version. And Given the two choices, I will always choose the UK version. I reached out to Carrie to share about our experience together. I also asked if she wanted to talk about her favorite books with me. What surprised me was that her response was she would love to talk to me about her favorite middle grade books. She has been running a book club for her daughter that includes crafts and discussions around books she has carefully selected for them. And she wanted to share this list with us today so we could learn about it and maybe start a book club of our own for our daughters. So I think I've set this one up enough for you. Let's get chatting. Welcome, Carrie. I'm so happy that you're joining me today for the podcast. Thank you, Amy. It's an honor to be here. I love listening to podcasts and never dreamed that one day I would be a guest on one. So thank you for giving me this opportunity. The reason why I reached out and I was explaining that in the intro today was that in my Facebook time hop 2016, you did something super brave. You had a library contest for a one book read and your community was reading Station Eleven, which was a book that I had read prior to you reaching out. But you reached out and said, I don't have a lot of bookish friends in my community. When I was thinking about who I wanted to invite, I thought of you and I wanted to ask you, what was that like? Did you feel brave doing that or it was no big deal? Did you think I was going to say yes? Did you, you know, think that I was going to say no? What was your reaction to all of that? So to give a little bit of background, in 2016, we had just moved into a new home. I had two toddlers and I didn't have a community. I didn't have other mothers to hang out with. I didn't have other friends who enjoyed reading. It was a really lonely time in my life. The internet was a place where I could find others who loved books and could talk books. When the library held this contest, I thought I really want to go with somebody because I received two tickets. I thought, you know who would love this? Amy would love this. I wonder Mm -hmm. if she would drive from Indiana stay overnight at my house, and go live this dream to meet this author. And I remember talking to my husband, going, I have the craziest idea, what do you think? And he said, go for it. So I messaged you, and you were willing, and it was so exciting, and to this day, I'm so glad you accepted the invitation. Gosh, that was a huge thing for me. It was something that I was embarrassed about at the time, and as my kids have been diagnosed with different 
learning disorders or whatever is going on at school, or we hear about other kids that are dealing with some really difficult learning issues when they're reading or doing motor movement skills and things like that, I was tuning in more into something called dyspraxia, which makes sense now. But for me, driving was really hard. I waited as long as I could to not get a license. I only got it out of necessity. And so I only drive when I'm forced to drive. And it's hard because your kids go lots of places and you don't want to tell your daughter that you can't go to a friend's house because your mom (laughs) has a hard time driving. So you just kind of bear through those kinds of things. But I don't put myself out there very often to drive to new places. If I know I'm going somewhere, I have to practice it a few times. So for this encounter, when you sent that to me, the act of bravery for me wasn't necessarily oh, you know, what will this person be like? Or if I will not have a good time, I knew for sure like that it was going to be great. It was the idea of getting into a car and, and traveling. It was a four-hour drive. So this isn't necessarily just an hour. This is a four-hour drive. And you sent me your address so I could look at it and figure out if that was something I felt capable of doing. I remember looking and seeing it was a straight shot on a toll road. There were only a couple of side roads. I told my husband, I think I'm going to do this. And his response is, wait a minute. First of all, you're going to go drive four hours to see someone you've never met. What if she's scary or you're having a horrible time or if it's weird and you're like stuck there because it was in the evening. So I knew I had to stay the night at your house too, which is huge. I could have gotten a hotel room, but you were, you know, telling me about all these things you were going to do for me, which honestly, like as a mom, when somebody's going to tell you, well, I'd like to make you dinner and have you at my home. And it sounded so amazing. So I didn't want to like turn away that amazing opportunity from you. Yeah. And you know, my love language is feeding people and creating a community So you were kind of my opportunity to bring someone into the house, feed them and care for them, and for us to experience something together that only bookish people would understand, which when we finally did get to see Emily up there talking about her book, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. It really made me love reading that much more to hear our author speak about what went through her head to write the book and then to meet her in person and realize She's human, just like us. It was a wonderful experience. And to this day, I I thank you for trusting me and going on that adventure with me. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. Any mom knows that if someone's offering to extend hospitality to you and you made me the most amazing food. And I remember two special things that you did that I was like, I need to step it up the next time that I have a guest. One thing you did was you had curated a few things that were representative of your area. It was things that were locally made and you put it in a little basket for me. You put fresh sheets on the bed and I remember how luxurious that felt because I was such a tired, overextended person at that point in my life that having someone just caring for you, like making homemade soup and it was a rainy day, having you show me the books on your bookshelf and your love for your library is the kind of love that only someone who's bookish can appreciate. 
because I love my library that same way. I actually took my husband on a field trip yesterday to the library to remind him how special it is and showing him around in sections he didn't know. And that's the experience you gave me as a guest. I think that this is such an encouragement to other women who might be listening that haven't done that before. Like extend yourself in these ways, especially with books the way that we can extend ourselves, it gives us this happy medium to talk about and to bond over. And there's nothing like bookish people, for sure. You and I went to the library that gave out this promotion and I showed you off like you're a celebrity. I was so proud of you (laughs) that here's this woman that came from Indiana just for this event. But because of that, I got to meet other librarians and they could see my passion for books. And so now I belong to one of their book clubs Mm -hmm. And I have a book club that I belong to now. Because I took that risk, there was an opportunity that kind of bridged itself. So I now finally have a bookish community that I so long for back when I first met you. Oh my gosh, this makes me so, so happy. Like really, really happy and reminiscing about this is exactly what I need right now at this season in my life. I'm so thankful that you did that. I reached out to you because I I know you're a big reader and I asked what your favorite books were. You came back and said, I want to talk about my favorite books, but I want to talk about middle grade books, about your experience leading a book club for your daughter. So I'd love to hear, why did you decide to start this for her? Is she a big reader or is this something that you had to cultivate in her? I have two children. My oldest son is 12, very soon going on 13. And then my daughter, who we'll talk about soon, just turned 10. I always knew that I wanted my children to be avid readers. And I was always taught, just have them watch you read. And they'll just love reading because that's what they see mom will do. Well, it didn't quite work that way in my home. So when my son was in first Mm -hmm. or second grade, their school did a one book, one community of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I had this idea that, all right, let's read two or three chapters. We'll go down to the basement and we'll watch a few clips from the original movie. And through that period, he all of a sudden understood the magic of reading. So I found this beautiful correlation between books and movies. And so that has been my trick. After Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, he and I then read Matilda and we watched the movie Mm -hmm. and then we took it one step further and the Broadway musical came to Cleveland. So we went to go see the musical. That was probably one of my favorite memories as a mother. He is now an avid reader, again, because of that links of movies and reading. My daughter had a difficult time reading. She had to go to a reading specialist. Mm -hmm. I also included the books and movies, and she started to like that, but it still didn't spark joy. And I realized what brings her happiness, which she is truly my daughter, she loves being around other people and she loves being around her friends. So I thought, let's start a book club. That way my daughter can read books, come together with her friends, talk, and maybe that will spark her interest in reading. And it did. The first mm-hmm. book that we did was The One and Only Ivan. And I had the idea okay. because Disney Prime came out with the movie. So I went to all my neighborhood mothers who my daughter plays with and says, I, I have this idea. I'm going to get you all the books and the kids have to read. And then they're going to come to my home. I will make them dinner. Of course, it has to be a theme dinner for the book because I thought that would be so much fun. And then we're going to go down to the mm-hmm. basement and watch the movie. We had the best time. Like I might have had the best time mm-hmm. out of all the girls, but the girls really enjoyed it. And they asked 
if we could do it each month. So the second month, I picked My Life as a Potato, and this is by okay. Ariane Costner, and they wanted a funny book. I picked this, and there's no movie that correlates to this book, so I just found a random movie on Netflix called Middle School, The Worst Year of My Life. And again, we all came together. <laughs> I always have all the questions that I want to ask them, and then I have a Ziploc bag of stars, five stars, numbered one through five. And at the end of our conversation, they have to pick the one through five star that they would give the book. And then they turn it over. And then I ask each girl, what did you rate the book? And then they would hold up their star and, and tell what number they rated that book. It's, it's been the greatest. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone likes to give reviews. That's why Goodreads is so fun. Everyone wants to give their opinion on something. Yes. Do they stay on task? Or are you having to like keep guiding them back? What what ages are we talking so, about for, for yeah, the girls? We're talking eight to 12 years old. The girls okay. are. One month, I let them vote. Because usually I will read the books prior to picking because I want to make sure it's a mm-hmm. good book. So I gave them three books and I kind of lined it up on the dining room table and they had a penny and they dropped into the jar they wanted. They voted for the Vanderbeekers of 141st Street. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they also really liked that book. I've heard good things about that. Yeah, that was a really good yeah. book. They really enjoyed that. When you're like researching for this, for your books, where are you going to get this information? Are you just going on Goodreads? Are you looking up reviews on Common Sense Media? Where do you access this information so you can pick a really good discussion book? Yeah, so I'm definitely on Goodreads and Instagram. The gem of Goodreads is finding out the elementary librarians. They've been able somehow to find librarians on Goodreads. And so I follow them and they're really good. That's really great. Yeah. They're really good about saying what the themes of the books are. So I understand if they're maybe a little too mature or immature for the girls. Mm. Then I'll look on Instagram again for teachers. I found some elementary teachers on there. So those are the two sources, how I find it. Those are things I would not have thought about. I am really bad about extending myself beyond what's within my own community and thinking about going under hashtags or finding teachers through Goodreads or librarians through Goodreads is a really phenomenal idea and not one I would have thought of on my own. Yeah. And I've actually private messaged some of these librarians on Goodreads and told them my situation that I'm hosting this book club. And they've been very good about recommending ideas. But the ironic thing about this book club and the pandemic is middle grain books Mm. have been a source of comfort to me through the pandemic. I'm usually someone that loves Mm -hmm. very deep, emotional, gut-wrenching, I want to be in a fetal position, crying book. I just couldn't handle that type of emotion during the unknown of the pandemic. And young adult books, to me, are very whiny. They talk about situations Mm -hmm. that they make a big deal out of, and it's not a big deal. So I find them very annoying. I'm not a young adult reader. But middle Mm -hmm. grade brings such innocence humor. The topics aren't too heavy, but the topics are still pertinent. I found middle grade to be such a comfort during COVID. That is so interesting. So we just taped an episode with Christina Reed, who is on Instagram, reading with K, R-E-I-D-I-N-G-K. I I want to give that shout out to her, but she did an episode because she has a chronic illness and wanted to talk about how 
books allowed her to escape. She had a whole system that she talked us through, which was amazing, about different levels of where she's at with her illness and how that coincides with where she's at with her literature. So if she's having a bad day, but it's not really heavy, she might go for a mystery or something that she can solve or put a lot of brain behind into figuring out something. Then she was saying progressively as the day goes bad, you know, you want something that you can lighten up the load. And so our episode is called The Great Escape because literature does provide that escape. I know that my reading habits too changed during the pandemic. And for me, I like those gut-wrenching, just rip you apart kind of books too. Life felt like that. So I'm like, I don't want to immerse myself in my free time and and already feel overextended. So I was leaning more into romance, for example, which is not a category I would normally have read, but it was just what I needed. I need a sweet happily ever after that I don't have to put a lot of myself into. I love that you're sharing this because middle grade is a great idea carrying on through however long this ends up lasting that we have these ways to escape. And I would not have considered middle grade as an option. And that is such a great idea for people that need a little break and and levity in their life too. Not that the topics aren't serious because you do have some serious reads in our stack that we're talking about today, but that it's a little bit lightened up versus contemporary fiction pick or something like that. And I hope your listeners understand that middle grade books are meant for nine to 12 year olds, but man, the writing is beautiful. It's not elementary. They really should give it a try. It's wonderful to read. And besides my library book club and my daughter's book club, I also belong to another book club. So I am in three book clubs. And that third one, yeah, is a bunch of ladies. And there's 11 of us. Each month we host the book club. The month before, you say what three books you think we should read. Everybody votes Mm -hmm. in the book with the highest vote wins. And that's what we read that month. So one of the selections I put on was a middle grade book and you could see their faces were like, excuse me, what? I I would be like that. I mean, I would probably not be intrigued by that. And that's sad because I'm missing out on something. One of the books I put on there and if it's okay, I'm going to jump to one of the books that I've read lately that I love. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that is The Blackbird Girls by Anne Blankman. So again, I say that middle grade is for nine to 12 year olds, but I don't think my 10 year old could read this book. It's a good three to 400 pages. It's a hefty book. So you'd have to have a pretty advanced reader for this book. It's historical fiction and it's the Chernobyl explosion in Russia in the 1980s. And it's about two girls that have to flee from Russia to Leningrad for safety. And of course the two girls are arch enemies and it really showed me history that I didn't know much about. And it put it in a way that was gentle, yet brought up some really difficult themes. It's a book that I would definitely recommend because I learned something from it, but yet it didn't gut-wrench me too hard as some adult books do. That sounds amazing. That sounds like a really good historical fiction pick. I feel like most of the books that I read, in particular with historical fiction, tend to go around World War II. So like, it's mostly those stories. So anytime I can try to embrace other historical fiction time periods or areas like different countries, because during the pandemic, maybe we can't travel, 
we still have the opportunity to travel and you can time travel and you can travel to a different country that maybe you wouldn't get to experience. This sounds like it would be a great pick for me and maybe to read with my daughter too. Definitely. Well, I think you're the one that opened my eyes that historical fiction is not just World War II. I mean, here we are in 2021 and what happened in the 1980s, I think maybe we can say mm-hmm. that was historical fiction. And I thank you because one of the books you picked for your online book club the prettiest star. Uh, yes. I was hoping you were going to say that. I just got chills just talking about the title. It's an underrated book that I don't think a lot of people understand. The prettiest star, you guys get it. It was my favorite book of the year and it touched and moved me in a way that books, I don't know, there's no no way to explain it except that the audiobook in particular, if you are looking for an audiobook, the narration of the son and the mother and the sister perspective all adds in around the 1980s and the AIDS epidemic and what was happening to people, particularly for a young man who's in a small town. Southern Ohio. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Yes, that's true. Yeah, it's in in Ohio. Let me give you a little backstory. So he's living in New York and he ends up coming back home after he finds out that he has AIDS. And he has to come back to this small town that does not accept him. It's set in the 80s, so it's right when people are really unclear. Kind of how, I think, too, with COVID, where we were all like, what do we do? Like, there's something that we don't understand. And, you know, people didn't want to give him dental care or things that were really essential for him to live his life. They were concerned that it was contagious, like using a community pool. Nobody wanted him to swim in their pool. And seeing things like that, as that was illustrated really brought awareness to how awful that was for people, especially in those initial days where we didn't understand what AIDS was, just like we don't understand a lot of things that happen in the world. And when they're new, we tend to make decisions on what makes us feel safe and protected. That book really illustrated that journey so much. It really did. But Again, to say the AIDS epidemic might be considered historical fiction, I think it it might be Mm -hmm. a new genre for historical fiction, because I know there's a nonfiction book I read, and and the title's not coming to me, about a woman in the South who took care of some men who had AIDS, who the Mm -hmm. hospitals were not kind to. When I'm not a mom, I'm a physical therapist, and I've been one since 2000, Mm -hmm. but when I read the prettiest star. I always wondered if I was a physical therapist back in the eighties and I had a patient with Mm -hmm. AIDS, how would I have treated them? Would I have treated them with kindness Mm -hmm. or would I have treated them with fear? Reading that book really opened my eyes to the difficulties, both with the, the, the men who were infected and the families who had to make a decision if they wanted to care for them or kick them to the curb. It was an excellent book. But again, when people say, I love historical fiction, I try to steer them now more towards, again, the Blackbird Mm. Girls, the prettiest star, that there's other things besides World War II. And the book club that I, the adult book club, they chose Trevor Noah's memoir, Born a Crime. Oh, I love that one. And they, they, again, were like, I didn't know that this happened. The apartheid, they had no idea we all learn mm-hmm. something. It's historical information I think we should be expanding our minds towards. Yeah. And I want to say, too, the World War II era, for me, at least, when I started reading those books, 
that was my first introduction to historical fiction was reading books about World War II. I still try to at least read one or two a year that are still set in that time period. But I think the idea with The Prettiest Star and a lot of the decisions that I try to make for our book club, it's comfortable enough that you're like, oh, I read historical fiction, but it takes you out of your comfort food genre, whatever that looks like. Most people do tend to go into that time period for historical fiction. And there's amazing stories to be told. And every time I read about it, I do learn something new and I love a new perspective on it. And I like the shifting perspectives that we can get about these stories that we don't know. But don't limit yourself because you're missing the boat on a lot of really incredible books. I am trying more to incorporate things from 80s and 90s, which are historical fiction. I mean, I don't want to say the 90s is historical fiction, but it kind of is. Introducing even times when we were around a new perspective on something, because obviously we know a lot about AIDS now, but we weren't there for that time when that initial thing was happening and what that experience looked like for a family. What I loved about that too was that it was set in the Midwest and it was essential for the story because New York looked differently than Ohio, where he went to New York to escape and live his fullest life, but he had to come back home. Midwest stories, as a Midwest person, I appreciate that a lot about the storytelling of that because that experience would be very different maybe for a family that lived in New York where it was happening and then coming home and then having this child that is gay and maybe you don't accept them. That too is a whole thing to work through as a plot point and the author did such a phenomenal job with it. It was a wonderful book. That was an excellent selection. Oh, I'm glad you liked it too. Well, maybe this conversation will have you picking a middle grade book for next year's book club selection. You know what? You are inspiring me because we've picked so far, I have, I think, eight selections made. And then we do reader's choice now. We just started this last year because honestly, like I pick things that are enjoyable to me and I try to find things that are under the radar. But there is something to be said about adding books that people are familiar with too. Me just giving you 12 books you've never heard of might not be appealing. So one of the books we read was The Midnight Library. And that's something that a lot of people know about. And we enjoyed it. It was a great book, but I would not have picked it because I feel like it's a pretty familiar book. But I'm learning that familiar books are sometimes helpful for book clubs because people want to read familiar reads or they enjoyed a book so much they want to reread it and talk about it with other people. So we've opened up part of our selections to readers to get to put their votes in and be part of that process instead of me just picking them. And honestly, it takes a lot of pressure off. I started that because during the pandemic, I was having a hard time reading and I just wanted to read romance, but I have to pick books that are really, not to say romance is not discussable. There are romance books with lots of heavy themes in them, but I don't tend to go to romance as a genre for 12 books. Giving space for my readers to be part of that was a huge weight off my shoulders. And also I realized, wow, familiar books are also really important to talk about. Yeah, I would agree. Well, Carrie... I so appreciate you being here. Thank you for stepping out again in bravery with me on something. I am going to link to Carrie's Goodreads account so that you can see 
what she's been reading and some of the middle grade books she talked about today. We'll also have the middle grade books linked in our show notes. They will be available on bookshop.org so that you can support an independent bookstore if that's how you would like to spend your dollars. So all of this is inspired by Carrie and her journey, and I'm so thankful she joined me today. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Amy.